0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing is a first of its kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing and get real about women in business. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the Women in Influencer Marketing podcast. It's Jessie, your host. And Happy Tuesday, if you're listening when the episode drops, we have quite the week coming up. Tomorrow, if you're listening on Tuesday, is our big New York City Experience event. I cannot wait. I'm nervous but we have been working so hard on this and I know that I'm healthy, which means to me that I should be able to be there. Unlike our LA experience, of course, where I got COVID the night before. If it's anything like our last New York City event, though, I mean, we had girls just they didn't want to go home. They went to the bar after. It's like continued hanging out. So for those of you who are not familiar, we are leaning very, very heavily into in-person experiences this year in 2023. And we are having them in New York, LA, Chicago's coming soon, and possibly other cities around the country, this event is Valentine's themed because it's on the 8th of February and Valentine's day is just like so soon that how fun would it be to just like get together with your favorite girls and like have some drinks and some food and a lot of surprises and fun. We're also getting a headshot photographer. So if you want to like freshen up your headshot for your LinkedIn or your own social or whatever, you want to use your website. We did that last week at a conference that we were at. So I wanted to bring it back because it was very successful. So we've got an incredible photographer coming and girl, get all the pictures you want. It'll be really, really fun, lots of surprises. So I don't want for the photos to inevitably come out about this event and you look at them and you're like, wait, wasn't in the mood or I didn't think I would enjoy it or like whatever reasons you're coming up with right now where you would, you know, rather just watch Real Housewives at home. Like I'm telling you, I love Real Housewives too, but you are going to regret not going to this event. It's going to be incredible and tickets will probably also sell out. So anyways, head to our website. I am Wim dot com slash events we will link that in the show notes but it's i a m w i i m dot com slash events you'll see that event and all the upcoming events that we have because there's so much going on this year that we are very excited about i'm excited about the not one, but two guests that we have coming on the show this week, Miss Elisa Poe and Molly Tracy, which I'm so excited to introduce to you. So first of all, they are both talent managers and former influencer strategists. Molly's company, she's a talent management and influencer marketing agency for women and brands with a point of view, her mission is rooted in uplifting and amplifying female founded brands and voices while obsessively expanding their digital footprint. She's equal parts brand builder. Business manager and digital strategist. She helps creators navigate the business side of the multimedia landscape. And Lisa is the founder of LGPR, and she's a strong believer in the power of meaningful relationships and that a trusted foundation is the key to impactful long term success. After nearly 10 years of experience in marketing and public relations in the sports, hospitality, and CPG industries, Lisa followed her heart and leaned into the part of her work. She was most passionate about supporting people and brands with shared values. She brings a personalized approach to each client, helping to strategically grow their brand and solidify partnerships in the food, fashion, lifestyle, and wellness verticals outside of LGPR. Lisa is a proud wife, dog, mom, friend and mental health advocate. I am so excited for you to be a fly on the wall of like our fun girl chat conversation because just felt like we were just getting together for drinks. Without further ado, this is Molly Tracy and Lisa Poe. All right, everyone, we've got a special episode today. So I've got Lisa Poe, and I'm so excited to have you both here today. Welcome. How are you, ladies? Hi, so
1: good. Thank you for having us.
0: Yes. Molly Tracy is the one. It's at the bottom of your screen right now. I hope you guys are watching this on YouTube or Spotify because they're gorgeous. They dressed up for the occasion. We were chatting probably like a few months ago, just like catching up. And we were talking about the podcast that I wanted you on. And then you're helping me like sort of decide like what could be exciting for the show in 2023. And we we're just like, let's just have a chat where we like invite our friends and it's more of like a powwow and less of like an interview. So that's the goal of inviting both Molly and Lisa on today. So thank you guys for taking me up on this experiment that's going to go wild and be wildly successful.
2: Thanks for am super that. Scheming to get Lisa and I together. <laughs>
0: Yes, no, I'm so excited to have you both on. Like, I have a feeling that today is just gonna feel like a fun girl chat. Um, we were doing that a little bit before we hit the record button today. And I'm just excited to have you both on. We heard a little bit about you each individually before we launched into our chat now. But beyond on paper and like your official bios, I just want to know about your relationship with each other and how you ladies met. So who wants to start?
1: Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, this is not like sponsor plug. <laughs> this is like <laughs> organic, natural. We met in the WIM Slack group. I think one of us answered another one's question. And then we started texting and now we have monthly calls and we had like basically a therapy sesh last night. So
2: <laughs> it's one of many in all honesty <laughs> i can't remember i think we started chatting when you had just started your business and you were like maybe looking to find like other managers to connect with and i was like that's me like happy to chat and i don't know we just kind of like we fell in love from there i guess <laughs> we found out that we had like really similar business ethos and like similar backgrounds having both worked like on the brand and agency side before so i don't know it was like a match.
0: It was <laughs> a match made in heaven. Love at first sight. That's so cool that you guys met in Wim. I did not know that before today, so I love hearing that. That's really, really lovely. And then we also have another person. I think the three of us in common, Miss Kristen Ryan Spawn, who helps us all with our finances. I call her my financial goddess. How do you guys utilize Kristen in your businesses? She's our bookkeeper. I tell her all the time I would get hit by a bus for her. Truly,
2: (laughs) I don't understand how I did my bookkeeping on my own for years before her. She's like life-changing.
0: Shout out to Lisa for making that connection. Yeah. Shout out to Lisa, totally.
1: She was the first person I brought on when I kicked off LGPR because finance and a number of things give me anxiety. So I was like, I need someone to do this. And she DM'd me on Instagram, actually through a mutual friend. And now she works with, I think, you know, the three of us and some other ladies in WIM, which is like really exciting. So Kristen, we love you. Shout out.
0: Shout out, Kristen. We do. We do. She's really incredible. Um, Yeah. She works with a lot of talent managers, but she also works with me and I'm not managing talent anymore. So she's just freaking phenomenal. Shameless plug for Kristen. I know that we have that in common as well. So I want to like, dive into it and just get right into the meat of it. Like let's be as honest and candid today as humanly possible. And I think a great place for those conversations to start is about, like, flaws in our industry. Look, it's January of 2023, which means a lot of things. It means that our industry has been around for a hot minute. It's certainly not new, and it's not the wild, wild west anymore, or it shouldn't be, at least. And it's also an exciting time of year because... If there are flaws in our industry, which like there are, <laughs> we have opportunities to fix them throughout the year. It's at the beginning of the year. Like let's start our minds set in the right place. Molly, what do you think are some of the flaws in our industry? And then, Lisa, like of course, I want to hear from you next.
2: I hate to call them flaws. I think there's still a lot of discrepancies, I would say, in our industry. so, for instance, like my roster is mostly made up of lifestyle bloggers. They're OGs who have been, you know, been doing it for the last eight to 10 years. And we work on a lot of conversion focused campaigns. And I find that a lot of brands that are either performance-based or D C based or are trying to use influencers for, you know, ROAS as their main KPI, aren't thinking very strategically about how they're using influencers to do that. So for instance, like I was working with a brand the other week and, they were a D2C food brand and we were, you know, trying to st- structure a scope of work that made sense based off of what their goals were and trying to think sort of like backwards. So they had a specific ROAS goal that they were looking for. And, you know, my first question is like, great. Like what's your AOV? Because if your AOV is, you know, $20 and you're looking to 2X this campaign, well, like that's a lot of product to move on a first-time Instagram story. Like we would need to look at a different scope. Maybe it's additional follow-up stories, um, or at least, you know, maybe it's some blog post mentions or something like that in order to get us to the ROAS that you're looking for. You know, we drove some really solid clicks for that campaign, but then you go to the website and you're looking at like they're charging $15 for shipping. So it's like, even by the time you apply the discount, no one's going to be purchasing that $20 product and then paying $15 on top of it. So I get frustrated when people are like, but influencer marketing doesn't work and I'm not seeing sales from it. And it's like, well, it does work, but are you thinking about it really strategically? And are you looking at, you know, sort of the flow between influencer to consumer and how you play a role in that and how your e plays a role in that? So I think flaws in the way of like, in order for us to be the most successful that we can be, we have to be able to work with our brand and agency partners to really kind of have an understanding of how they're measuring success so we can kind of back end into it with the right scope of work and the right rate. Otherwise, it probably won't be successful.
0: No, a thousand percent. And I also do want to clarify because there are very experienced women and men probably who listen to this podcast who know what ROAS is, but in case you don't, it's return on advertising spend. That's what ROAS stands for. So I just want to make sure that everyone's aware of what that stands for. Lisa, what are your thoughts? Like, I guess, do you feel as if our industry is flawed in any way? And if so, where?
1: Yeah. So it was actually a really good start with Molly because I kind of agree. I think for me the big flaw or the big question mark is campaign success measurement and i not only think it's ROAS and AOV like molly was talking about which is i believe average order value but i really think it's just being clear and communicative up front from the agency or brand how are you measuring success like is it conversions is it sales okay let's do this is it awareness is it credibility do you just wanna align with this creator for what they stand for and what like their ethos? Like there's a lot of ways to work with creators and they all have different strengths. And I think a flaw is that a lot of the times the brands and agencies that are putting on these campaigns, they have an idea of what they wanna see as success, but they really don't know. So are they happy with the results? Are they not? Like there's always that question mark. And I think that is where there's a little bit of a gray area in the industry where it's like, does this work? The answer is yes, it works. It does a lot of things, right? But did it meet your needs? We won't know that unless you know what those are. And another thing, I don't know if this is again a flaw, but even though it's not the wild, wild west anymore out here, it is still a relatively new industry. And I think the insistencies with like creator rates and pricing, and I think that topic has been really hot as the start of 2023, you know, some creators, will do in-kind trade and post a TikTok and have 100k followers. Granted, we have a full rate for that. And it's like, there's a lot of inconsistencies there. And I think sometimes that puts some creators with the upper hand and then managers and vice versa. I think it's just really like the fact that everything is so unique in this industry that's hard to have like a perfect formula or a perfect approach because it's all so different. And I think that's where a lot of the question marks come in.
0: that's totally valid and can fix a lot of those issues so i hope to see more of that this year i think our industry is flawed in in many ways but you know maybe that's a harsh word i get that i'm certainly solutions oriented so in that spirit like i would hear about what you guys have, have have observed or worked on so like what's a cool campaign that you've come across that you think is worth a shout out? Who wants to start? Lisa, you have so many good ones.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I was like, I'm happy. I love this question. I actually want to highlight the campaigns or projects that have multiple touch points. So not just an Instagram story ad or not just a TikTok ad, not just social media. Maybe there's like an event tied into it. So I would say my two most fun, cool and successful campaigns were something that tied in all those touch points. I worked with one of my creators, Nassim Labichi. He's a food creator out of New York City. We did an amazing event with Urban Outfitters and Stanley, the Stanley Cup that I am literally drinking out of right now. And the goal of the campaign was that Stanley was launching unique quenchers, I believe they're called like in the Urban Outfitter stores. So we actually were able to host an event in the Urban Outfitter stores my clients did a recipe demo, it was so much fun. We had over a hundred people attend and the best part about it was there was the awareness, there was the content they wanted. There was foot traffic in the store that they wanted. They made sales. My favorite part of this campaign is something I wanna highlight. I think should move more part of campaigns moving forward is there was a give back component, which is something that myself and Nassim, like my, my client really pushed for. So a percentage of all the sales and the brands themselves donated to a nonprofit organization during this event. And they also raised money for a sustainability focused nonprofit and based in Brooklyn, New York. So I think all the different touch points, there was social stuff there, there was the in-person piece, there was PR pushed out for it. So some like media coverage. And there was also the give back piece that really you know, allowed us to be even more excited to work with these brands and meet all these people in real life. And that just like really flourished. And we've been working with them ongoing since then. So a lot of good came out of that. And I think we can all learn that we can branch out a little bit from just like our Instagram stories to do some more fun things like that.
0: I hope so, because just doing an Instagram story, you know, one post and one story and, you know, basic usage and all that, like it just gets boring. For everybody involved, I can assume for like the agency of record for the influencers, they feel like they're not able to be creative and the followers, you know, their communities, like they're just seeing the same thing over and over and over again. So I could imagine that like everybody doesn't want things to feel stale. We want things to feel fresh and fun and innovative, innovative. Oh my God. Like that's the word that I think of. And especially as like us in this industry, like, isn't it exciting to innovate? I don't want to lose that. So I hope that people keep that in mind. So what about you, Molly? Like, are there any campaigns that you've either been a part of or observed that just did like a really, really great job in your opinion. I want to like continue patting people on the back and shouting them out. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think we've been really lucky that most of our roster has been with us for the last five years, which is just so much fun because we get to kind of see them in like different life stages. So like we've worked with a brand like minted over the years to do wedding invites to then baby shower invites, which is so much fun. And same thing with like a Bed Bath & Beyond, like we did their wedding registry together and then we did their baby registry at Bye Bye Baby. And so it's just really nice to see a brand kind of like carry through, you know, life stages with your influencers. But we do have an exciting one coming up. I did a LinkedIn post about this yesterday, but we did recently land a dream partnership for one of our clients, which was like truly like a bucket list for her. It's something I've been pitching for over a year. And it's one of those brands that, you know, it's not that she's just like a genuine fan. Like she is truly, she's a body positivity influencer. This is a brand that really made her feel for the first time, really like seen in her skin and really appreciate her body. And so it's just going to be the best campaign because she's not only going to be able to speak to it. as like a fan of the brand, but truly it's so meaningful to her. And so. So Say the brand name. Could we say the influencer Um, or is it too soon? We can. It's Fashion Veggie, is her name. Her name is also Molly, which isn't confusing at all. Um, and it's Dove.
0: Oh, Dove. That is so cool. Congratulations on that. Thank I you. can definitely imagine that she's over the moon. That's a great brand to be partnering with. So, shout out to them. Very cool. And I assume that you'll be sharing like updates on how it's going on your socials and stuff. Yes. So, I look forward to watching and observing, and we're gonna be sharing our socials later on. So stay tuned for that, everyone. Let's bring it back to the beginning a little bit, right? Like everyone has a different entryway point into influencer marketing and everyone gets into it for different reasons. Lisa, what are some of the reasons that you got into influencer marketing? And then my next question is like, has it lived up to the hype?
1: Wow, loaded question. Okay, so just a quick, quick background, I won't go into too much detail, but I started my career in sports PR and media. And then I found myself working for a CPG brand in the wellness natural products industry for about seven years. And I worked in PR media, social media, and then influencer marketing came on the scene. And it was something that I was really interested in, and was able to kind of launch for the brand I was working working with for so long and I realized in the last couple of years of my position at the CPG brand I worked for I realized that like I was dreading a lot of my work besides the like influencer activations we're doing or like besides like being able to talk to potential influencer partners or creator partners like over the phone like I was just like really loving the connections I was making with them, they were all just so talented. It was like very interesting to me. And so I honestly, a lot of them, some of them are literally my best friends to this day if they're not my clients. So I just think in my more corporate America, nine to five life, there was this outlook that, you know, you couldn't necessarily like, don't be friends with your coworkers, don't mix home and work and all of those things that like people tell you. But, like, that's not my style. Like, I want to be friends with the people I work with. I want to have fun every day at work. And I loved these creators I was meeting for the most part. And I kind of saw an opportunity to branch out and work with some of them. And here I am. I actually, February 4th, which is in three days from when we're we're recording this, will be my, like, official one-year anniversary of being full-time with LGPR. So, yeah, I just, I wanted... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really excited. Thank you. Has it lived up to the hype? I think the follow up question here. For that reason, yes. But I will say, obviously, being an entrepreneur and all the ins and outs that are in it. And one thing that I will elaborate more on later, like the stigma around managers, being a certain type of way, there have been those obstacles along the way, but has it lived up to the hype? So far, so good. I mean, I'm only a year in, so we'll check in another like six months.
0: Fair, fair. And like, there's a stigma around talent.
1: I was brand side and I was part of creating that stigma when I was brand side. You and talent manager, the word agent, I feel like it has this like money hungry, aggressive, like Wall Street vibe to it. And I think a lot of brand reps and agency reps kind of have that mindset when a manager gets looped into an email and i think my biggest struggle and actually now a goal of mine as a manager is to kind of like break that stereotype a little bit because if you like hang out with us on this podcast like we're not only hard-working people and who love our clients and talent but like we're nice nice and it's just like we're nice We are nice. Like, stop treating us like we're here to steal your money out from under you. Like, that is not the case. I want to make
2: your money work harder for you. Like, I yeah, want like to make more money, <laughs> like, with my clients.
1: Yes. Like, we are here in your corner. We are here to be collaborative. We're not here to take, just take your money and run. We're here, like, most of us. That has been my biggest, I don't want to say disappointment, but a oh, little bit disappointment being in this industry is that, like, that's the immediate reaction or attitude I get from some people before they even hear five words come out of my mouth and it's a little upsetting.
0: I think that like managers, lawyers, we fall into the camp of like it's so easy to hate on managers and lawyers and people like that. And it's like, we're all talking about like wanting to break stereotypes and wanting to be open minded and wanting to be collaborative. So I appreciate that you're bringing this up because I feel like as much as people say a lot of those things, those stereotypes about talent managers absolutely still exist. You were on the other side, you experienced it from that side. And now you're on the talent management side, experiencing it like on the receiving end of it. What about you, Molly? Do you get get sort of similar vibes from people?
2: I'm like very lucky where it's really few and far between where I don't run into too many issues. But I was thinking about it last night, Lisa, when we were talking about it, like the idea that some brands will say like, oh, well we wanna do a briefing call, but we only do it with the talent and we won't do it if the manager's on the phone. And I'm like, you would never meet with a brand that had co-founders with only one of those co-founders. Like we are their business partner. Like we are our client's business partner. We are their managers. Like we are most of the time the strategy behind their business because they're the creative. So having us on the phone shouldn't be an interference. It's really, we're there to help you think more strategically about how to put this campaign together because we're the ones that are talking about your KPIs. Our creators there to really think about the creative and how am I going to bring this together and how am I going to make this interesting for my audience and how am I going to make it engaging for them whereas we're on the other side saying how are we going to meet your goals whatever those are so it's a two-pronged approach and I don't think that you can have a really effective conversation on strategy and creative without having both people in the room both people being creator and agent
0: but if you have a good manager if you have a good agent like a, good I'll tool. also play devil's advocate on that too <laughs> yeah, and like I, I, was the I, was managers,
2: say... I was gonna say yes of course yeah. if you need to have a good manager yes these
1: stereotypes do. exist for a reason we'll put it all there.
2: when i worked for an agency side there was definitely a couple of agents that we sort of were like kind of on the blackballed list of like they're just yes. too difficult to work with it's not enjoyable experience like i say this all the time it would like literally kill me if at any point in time a brand was like oh i would love to work with Jess keys one of my clients She crushes it, but Molly's just so unbelievably difficult that we can't even be bothered. Like that is my worst nightmare. I think as managers and agents, like our job is just to be kind and to be nice. And I think like this industry is like 95% women, which I love. Like we get to do this all day long and like chat and talk about things like relate to things outside of work. And so I just think kindness in this industry, especially with women goes really, really far. So I feel like Lisa and I always talk about that. Like it's just, that's how we lead our business.
0: And so, yeah, if you have, you know, someone incredible as part of the team, like, It's almost a missed opportunity if you don't utilize them. So I would just like challenge people on the brand side or the agency side. that like, if you're feeling some sort of way about a manager, just like ask yourself what that's about. Because if it's valid and they're terrible, then that's fine. (laughs) But ask yourself why you're feeling that way. And if it's because of another situation that you were in with somebody else, you know, then like, just know that like that was that person and it isn't necessarily this person and like, are you getting in your own way perhaps because this manager could be an advocate for you. Like they could be somebody that could help this process along really nicely. So just putting that out there. So, you know, I love that you guys both have been on the other side and, you know, weren't only, you're not just talent managers, but you have been on the other side of the equation. And I think that that's worth mentioning because of my next question which is, how can brands do better? Molly, let's start with you on this one. How can brands do better generally? How can brands do better? I mean, I think
2: Lisa touched on it earlier. I think the most important thing for us to know is is your goals. And I think especially when you're reaching out to an agency, because a lot of agencies, they're friendly with brands. A lot of brands will reach out to us and say, I'm working on a campaign, X, Y, and Z. Is there anyone on your roster that would be a fit? I think the first question is always, what is your goal? Because I have creators on my roster that I know can convert like crazy. And then I have other creators on my roster who are probably better for content creation or better for a general brand awareness just because they have a really strong reach. I want to put the right people forward for you. I want to make sure that you feel like this campaign is successful and you look good to your bosses. And so I think being really upfront there flexibility would be like so unbelievable like there's not nearly enough creative freedom happening in this industry like I just had to go to bat the other day with a brand about how they wanted us to bring together some like organic mentions for us I said still shots work for us like still shot and organic mentions you'll see an insane amount of clicks videos are not going to do well they were pushing me on wanting to have videos for the story content I'm like I understand that this is in your brief and I understand that you pitched this to the client and I understand that they paid you all this money to put together this 30 page brief. I've been there. I've done it. I've made them. I'm telling you that you're a performance marketing brand and I'm telling you what's going to perform for my client. Even if you find that like for all the other creators that you've worked with, that video works best, still shots work best for my specific creator and her specific campaign and you're contracting us to do a good job for you. So listen to us when we tell you what's gonna work and what's not gonna work. Or if you're looking for something specific in a brief, like key messaging, I'm like, that's not gonna resonate with our audience. Can we word it this way? Like creative flexibility is so important. Like, I feel like, especially now, like it's 2023, like, are we still doing this? Like, it feels very kind of like 2015 to me to still be giving like very specific briefs. Uh, It's just like in the age now where people have really been able to create communities over the last 10 years, Like. Trust that creator to know what she's doing. And I say she, because I only have all women, but that would be my two things. It's really clear clear on goals and please like creative flexibility. Like I promise you we're not being difficult. Like I'm trying to structure it so it works for you. And so it performs better for you. It's not just us being difficult. Totally. Lisa, what
0: about you?
1: I would agree with everything that Molly said, but I also think I mentioned this earlier on one of the campaigns I love doing, and I think that like brands agencies alike can all kind of be better at is, is like thinking about giving back as well in this industry, because, you know, no matter which way we slice it, this is a lucrative industry. No matter if there's ups and downs and ebbs and flows, there's a lot of money in influencer marketing. Like there's no denying that. And I implemented something with one of my talents in 2022, where we kind of upfront asked, you know, what do you have any give back components or charitable components of your, of the brand? Like, do you donate regularly? It was something that we wanted to know about the brands we were working with, because it was so important to not only my talent, but to myself. And we ended up being able to raise, you know, tens of thousands of dollars last year for nonprofits through campaigns and working with brands and doing that, which is so exciting, but I think that should be at the forefront of a lot of these brands initiatives to begin with. Like obviously they need to drive sales. We're kind of in the business of sales as icky as that sounds sometimes. I get that. Like we got to make money. We got to make a living, but also these brands that are spending big with creators have the means to give back. And I just want to highlight that in this conversation as something that I really hope we see more and more in that being part of creator campaigns moving forward.
0: Go for it, Molly. I, no, whatever I was,
2: was going to say, I think like on a more macro level too, I mean, we can get very nuanced in this, but like on a macro level, I think a stronger push for diversity and inclusion in campaigns is something that I find that we're still not seeing enough of in 2023. Like I'm looking even sort of like in our whim casting and like, I haven't seen anything come through for Black History Month yet and it's February 1st. Like, I think really trying to prioritize that and get ahead of it. I just feel like every year we have the same conversation of like, okay, like February 1st, like we have to do something for Black History Month, June 1st, we have to do something for Pride. Like, I just think that it's too much still of an afterthought for a lot of brands. And even more macro, I think like trying to get more influencers involved, truly like rooted deeply in the business. Like I have a couple of creators that are ambassadors for different brands and like they've actually been able to like initiate change on like a company-wide level. Like they've been able to come into company and talk about DEI issues with them and work on new strategies and so, I don't know. I think that there's definitely ways that it goes so beyond just like transactional campaigns, you know, like even like Lisa saying, like, what's the charitable component? Like, I think utilizing influencers and their communities and the reach that they have with their audiences to really enact change.
0: It's so important. Yeah. I love that so much. Like, so This past week was Creator Economy Live Conference in Vegas, and someone asked a question during the panel that I was moderating, like essentially to that exact point, like panelists, what are you guys doing in terms of like adding more, you know, diversity and equity and inclusion in your campaigns? And I checked in with the guy after, I didn't know him, but I checked in with him after. I was like, you know, thank you for asking the question. How did you respond to the answers? And he said what I agree with exactly what he said. He's like, you know, the answer that I got was exactly what I w- was expecting. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted to hear. And I just think that like, you know, controversial topic. I don't think enough people really truly believe in DE&I. I don't personally. This is just my opinion. I think that they do it to check boxes. I think that they do it because there would be backlash if they didn't. And there's a few other reasons why they do it, but I don't think they fundamentally like really truly believe in it. And there's so like, this is, this could be an entire conversation. And of course, like, you know, we're three white women like chatting together about this. So like, I don't know, take what we're saying with a grain of salt, I guess, especially me. I'm the one preaching this right now, but like, it's important because I just feel like if people really believed in it wholeheartedly 100% and understood why it's important like to the world to culture to their bottom line and just like really wholeheartedly like press the I believe button and and believed it then we wouldn't just be having you know black folks like, on campaigns during the month of like, during black history month. And we wouldn't just be having Hispanic influencers on campaigns during Hispanic heritage month. Like we would just have them all the time. Like we would be colorblind and like the world would just be a really phenomenal, better place. You know, I don't know how to get there. I certainly don't have answers. I love that you're bringing this up. I do think that part of it is just like, trying to infuse diversity year-round like that is step one kind of a pivot but I'll bring it back I promise I just saw this incredible show on Broadway um, called Kimberly Akimbo if anybody's in New York it was like phenomenal so so good and I love that their casting was really colorblind one of the main characters is black and like I'll be honest I was sort of waiting to see like why did they cast a black guy for this role and at the end of the show like there was no reason like he didn't need to be black at all. It could have been Asian. You could have been white. He could have been anything. And I loved that because like, it was just bringing like color and diversity to a cast and just showing that like, we're all more similar than we think. And like, it's great to be able to see yourself in a performance when it's not necessary per se. So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox, but I appreciate you saying that and you bringing that up. And I would love to ask you guys, we were talking about like, how can brands do better? You both are managers. So I also, and we were talking about, you know, A lot of them are good. Some of them are not. Look, let's be real about that. So, you know, for those people, like how can managers do better? Lisa, do you want to start with this one? Yeah, I
1: think a lot of the things we said apply to the other side too. But my big, like hot tip, I don't know if this is like clickbaity, but like the number one thing I would tell managers that can do better, this is like almost figurative, like pick up the phone stop emailing with like here's the rate buy or stop rushing through your inbox and get on the phone and meet these brands these people advocate for your talent learn about what's going on like have a conversation have emotion as part of it like managers are so stuck in the weeds sometimes and again some days it's like that i speak for myself but i'm sure i could speak for at least half of the managers out there we work 14 15 hours a day easy And we get stuck in our inboxes and it happens, but like set up time block, do what you need to do. Get on the phone with brands, get on the phone with agencies, get on the phone with your talent, like say hi to them, go visit them, like prioritize that relationship that we all preach, but don't actually sometimes put the time and, you know, like the work and time into pick up the phone, get out of your emails, you know, get a little bit deeper in the conversations because that's going to make. Not only it is a stronger, more trusted relationship, but that's where the success is going come from. And I think a lot of managers, when I was on the brand side, would send me rates and like put their name at the bottom of the email. And let me tell you, that was the biggest turnoff on the brand side. We would never even answer those. Don't do that. And I think that's where managers, like, on, like in a big picture, need to get better.
0: I don't know that I understood. So they would send you their roster and just like sign it and you just wanted something more personal. Is that what the turnoff yeah. was?
1: It was how short it was or like, yeah, or it wasn't necessarily like, cause they've responded to an email. Like you have to do that. But it's like, I would ask for a scope of work and maybe some information or whatever the case may be. And they would just be like, sure. Rates below sign, so, like in their name, like very short, no context. And for brands that are building these campaigns and trying to find the right person, like they need more context. And also this goes back to like being kinder in general, like they need more kindness too. Like they want yes. to want to work with you and your talent. Don't just short answer them, send them rates and like be on your merry way in your inbox. Like that's not going to do anyone any good. Like put some thought behind it, schedule a call, like take the extra step. Cause I think that is what is going to make you and your talent stand out to a brand team or an agency team.
0: Totally I, get that. Molly's well, like, I co-sign, Molly go for it. What do you have to say?
2: I am in nothing but an echo chamber. Like I think, I had a brand say to me last week, like your emails are always so nice. And I'm like, do you just get emails that say like, thanks period and send? And she goes, <laughs> liter- she goes literally Molly every day. I'm like, what? My number one golden rule is nine times out of 10, my clients are not CC'd on emails to save their inbox. I email as if my client is in the room with me always. I would never send an email that I would not want my client to see. I would never send an email that my client would be embarrassed in how I'm speaking on their behalf. You always act as if your client is in the room with you and a thousand percent get on the phone. All the magic happens on the phone. That's where you make the best relationships. And as a manager, all you have is relationships in this industry. Like Lisa and I are, constantly I mean we pitch a lot for our business it's a part of how her and I have structured our business we pitch our clients often our clients look to us to bring them new opportunities and so if you're not sitting back just managing inbound stuff like you're out there hustling you're meeting everybody I'm taking coffee meetings zoom meetings I'm flying out to New York to do agency meetings like you have to talk to people IRL like email is really not enough to build enough rapport so yes pick up the phone
0: (laughs) a phone and like stand out. I mean, I love that. I think I don't know. I'll be honest. Like I fall into that trap sometimes. Like I'm not the most like chatty Kathy type person. So like an email sometimes, like I can just naturally by default seem like curt in emails and short and sweet and just to the point. So I think that's a really good like check and balance for myself and hopefully people listening too. Which is like, would your client feel comfortable and like proud of? this response on their behalf if they were looped into this email. And if it was just short and sweet, like maybe not, (laughs) probably not. Like the, you know, you are the first line of defense in a lot of different instances as their manager. And they are trusting that like you're putting their best foot forward. You're speaking on their behalf. So I think it's hugely important. Speaking of how we can all do better, how do you think that women generally can work together better in our industry. What do you think, Lisa?
1: Be more open. I feel like I'm like, sound like a therapist on this call. Call people, hang out with (laughs) people. You should go to therapy too. But anyways, I think, (laughs) yeah, I went last night. It was a phone call with Molly. How can women do better in their industry? I really think I've learned a lot from just having an open communication with someone like Molly, a fellow manager, someone who is like more like-minded. I cannot tell you how many campaigns I've gotten from her sharing a contact, her making an email intro. Hopefully she's gotten a few from vice versa. I don't know.
2: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay.
1: Yes. But like, we don't need to gatekeep here. Okay. Like I know this, there's competition in this industry and that happens. And there's always unique cases where maybe we want to keep things to ourselves until it pans out for our talent. Totally makes sense. You have to be business smart. But I think we could share contacts more, like just to put it really tact, like to be like, like tactful like that, like share contacts, like make introductions where possible and just kind of be a united front, especially in like the independent management industry. Like these larger agencies have those teams behind them where like Molly and I, I'm grateful that I have a full-time assistant now. And we all have Kristen, another shout out, but a lot mm-hmm. of people probably in whim are a one woman show. And like, we need support too. So is a great place to start.
0: I love that. And I just think that like, we can all really just be there for each other in a multitude of ways. Like I would say like Molly, I'll just be transparent. I haven't even told you this, but like the last time that we connected on a video call, like, I felt like I got to know you so much better. And like, I don't know, I felt more connected to you. And Lisa, I feel like that on this call, even today. I'm like, oh, I like Lisa so much. And, you know, like we'll Slack because we're in the same Slack board for Wim and we'll email. And I know that we have each other in common in terms of Kristen and what have you, but like nothing beats this well I'll tell you what does beat it an in person like experience that's the only thing that beats us but this is the closest you can get and if you live in different cities it goes such a long way so I love that my final question for you ladies it's a fun one fuck marry kill Instagram, TikTok YouTube who wants to start I know my answer but okay.
1: uh, I don't know what Let me just get the kill out there. Listen, I'm not a YouTube girly. Never been Mm. a YouTube girly. Like, don't get me wrong. It's probably potential for marriage for some people in this scenario because it's, like, stable for the long haul. It's
2: longevity,
1: yes. (laughs) Longevity. But, like, listen, it's got the ax from me. I'm going to be honest. Like, YouTube, not into it, doesn't hold my attention. I'm not a YouTube person. I think YouTube creators are amazing, but it's got to go. I would fuck TikTok because it's the new hot thing. Hello? Like, what else are you gonna do? She's spicy. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's a little spicy. spicy. And then okay. okay. I almost killed Instagram. I'm not gonna lie, but I'm gonna marry Instagram because she's my OG girly. There's still so I know people shit on Instagram and everyone's like TikTok's the new place to be. Yes, TikTok's great, sure but like there's so much more to instagram that's not going to go away anytime soon and it's part of meta which is ultimately if they need to adapt instagram and do the things they need to do they have the team they have the experience and everything to make that happen and to keep it alive so i'm gonna marry my girl ig that's
0: mine i love it i love it so much all right molly what say you i'm killing youtube too Sorry, oh my god! I'm really? Kidding. I thought you were gonna marry yeah. YouTube. No,
2: I'm killing YouTube. I'm not a YouTube girly either. Actually, honestly, mine are the same. I'm gonna fuck TikTok because you know, it's young and spicy. And then I'm gonna marry IG. But I'm gonna throw a curveball and I'm gonna side chick blog because I do believe. I knew, I knew you we were gonna I knew,
0: gonna. I knew gonna that you knew
2: I was gonna do it. I know. She's my mistress. She's my side chick. I got to keep her on. She belongs there.
1: That's
0: hilarious okay so fuck Mary, kill side check let's
1: see what's yours
0: okay <clears throat> definitely fuck tiktok because like it would be hella fun you know yes. fuck yeah. tiktok for sure i would marry youtube That's i nice. love youtube i watch youtube on my television we were talking about it last night because like my youtube algorithm is like all fucked up because i was like on the work trip whatever like he just watched so much youtube and now i'm like babe, we need different profiles because I like to see certain things in my algorithm and that do not involve 3D printing and science. Sometimes I'm into it, but not all the time. So I love YouTube. I agree. Stable, been around for a long time, but enjoyable as well, YouTube. And then I would kill Instagram I think that if you ask me in a year from now like would I say the same thing I don't know but like as it stands that's my answer and then well now I'm gonna add a side chick I love LinkedIn so I think like LinkedIn would be my side chick because like I love getting into LinkedIn lately like
1: I'm feeling it I'm making friends on there
0: we're vibing right now Yes, totally. LinkedIn is really fun. I'm part of their creator program. I always say like I'm that nerd. I love them. I always speak their praises. It's like the perfect place because you work in a creative field with social media, and it is a social media platform. But it's like a professional place where you want to also feel like you're making progress in your professional relationships. So it's like the perfect place. You can say all sorts of stuff, make all sorts of connections, but meaningful professional ones. So. Side chick, LinkedIn, love it. So maybe in this like salacious, you know, other story, like maybe the side chick becomes my second marriage. I was
1: gonna say, like, I think you're leaving YouTube from <laughs> Yeah,
2: he's much maybe my
0: YouTube and I are show. on the rocks. Yeah, I love just
1: all girls, by the way. Like we didn't even like branch out into men. Like girlies, like no girlies. <laughs> We didn't,
0: I could keep chatting with you girls all day, but for the spirit of this episode, not being three hours long, I assume that a lot of our members would love to reach out to you and connect with you. So where can our community find you if they want to connect? What about you, Molly? And we'll go to Lisa. We're just on IG at Bray Digital, V-R-A-I. Come hang
2: out. We have a lot of fun over there. LinkedIn. BrayDigital.com. I don't know. I love hearing from brands, like new agents. I love mentoring new agents. That's like my new fave thing. I've been doing it for a long time. So love to share knowledge. So come find me.
0: I love that. And what about you, Lisa?
1: And my Instagram website is at the LGPR. My business is just called LGPR, but I had to put the the, because LGPR was taken on everything. So if anyone's, so it's at the LGPR and also yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. My full name is Lisa Poe, last name Poe. So happy to hang out there too, or Instagram. I have a lot of fun doing my Instagram for work. So yeah, you could probably tell by like my highlights and stuff. So anyway,
0: come hang out. All right. Amazing. And we will link all of those in the show notes below. Thank you ladies. So, so much for joining today and we will see you all next week.